and welcome to Justice Losers, the most unqualified podcast exploring irrelevant questions about entertainment, namely movies, TVs, and comics. I'm your host, Preston, joined as always by my delightful co-host. Do you know who I am? <laughs> Batman. That's me. That's you. Batman, the baddiest of mats. Matt, what should people do? Like, subscribe, and tell a friend, and check out remproductions.net. Dot net? Dot net. <laughs> we have a weird energy going on right now. Don't know what it's about. I'm really, really tired. Good. <laughs> I think I spent all my energy on the first part. Uh-oh. Uh-oh. You're running this one. What are we talking about, Matt? Ratings. 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 G, PG, PG-13, R, MA-17, X. Triple X. Anyway. Anyway. Ratings. Ratings. How do you rate a movie? How do you distill a movie's essence into a single number? Or a thumb? Or a star? Or a Should tomato. You? Or a tomato. <laughs> Should you distill a movie's essence into a thumb or a star or a tomato? Now that's an interesting question. That's an interesting question. Let's start the let, let's let's take a big picture step back here. Okay. Why would you want to rate a movie in the first place? Why would you want to rate a movie in the first place? Um Cause we do it. We that's do a it fantastic co- question. And we do it kind of aggressively. We've been over this before we have our little system we yeah use a we have a pr- we have a robust system that we actually have mm-hmm. defined we have words to the numbers yep um i think and i feel like this is probably what you're heading towards mm-hmm. uh that the purpose of rating is purely to tell people whether or not they should go watch it okay um so it's like a civic responsibility kind of thing um i think it's a I think it's applying a scale so that readers or consumers of your rating mm-hmm. can have their own thresholds. Mm-hmm. Um, so, for example, if someone who's writing a review says a movie is a seven, mm-hmm. some people who think that that is worth watching will go watch it. While other people say, oh, I'm only going to go see a movie if this person's rated at a nine or a ten. Mm-hmm. Um, and so it allows the reader, like the point of creating a rating is to quantify your opinions of it, like mm-hmm. you, how much you liked it so that someone else can look at your quantified opinion and mm-hmm. decide whether or not they want to go see it. And the reason that you quantify it rather than say you should go watch it is because you can you allow as i said the person the influenced person to set their own threshold mm-hmm. yeah okay i see it so so this is specifically talking about like a critic and why a critic would use some sort of numerical mm-hmm. rating or star rating mm-hmm. and yeah that's really the essence of it i don't that's... think anyone besides critics rate movies How like many movies? to some, I... to some degree I'm going to push back on that, okay. but in a few minutes. Okay. Um, yeah, no, originally this was just very much, okay, reviews are long and boring. Millennials don't have the attention span. Let's stra- slap a slap a number on it. Yeah. Except the first star review came out in 1928. When did the Michelin star system happen? Because I know it's not about movies, it's about restaurants. Right. Also, do you know the story behind that? I don't. Oh, it's so funny. Uh, so Michelin, you know, Michelin, I, I'm aware of Michelin, the tires, the tires, right? You they, know, it's the same thing. I don't. 
Is it? Did you not actually know that? I didn't actually know that. So Michelin Tires, the guy, like the owner, don't quote me on the exact specifics of like who did what, but mm-hmm. uh, I think it was the, 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 the owner was like, man, I need a reason for people to wear out tires and buy more tires. So I think it was his wife would go to restaurants that are really far out of cities and rate them high. So the Michelin star system so that people would drive more, wear out their tires and buy more tires. It's a fantastic use, like creative business move. And so that's what the Michelin, like Michelin star or Michelin rated restaurants are Mm -hmm. is purely. So people will go like, it's just, it's just so that people will drive. That is beautiful. Yeah. I love that story. I think it's true. I've heard it multiple times and it's been confirmed by multiple people who have heard the story could be total bullshit. Sounds just wacky enough to be true. Yeah. Uh, so that's, that's a rating. When did that, did you look that up when that happened? Uh, they, the first Michelin stars came out in 1926 and it was just a single star to delineate. Hey, this is a approved restaurant in 1933. They added, two and three stars to delineate between this is a great restaurant, a pretty good restaurant. And a, so you said okay, the original, the first move star rating to a movie was 1927, 28, 28. So two years after the Michelin's. So there was but, really this. Oh. Yeah. But the movie review used a four star scale. Right. Although it was three, two, one, zero. And I think that was like, uh, the, I wonder how much of a bounce between the two there was because mm-hmm. like the original point of a Michelin was to get someone to just go to that restaurant mm-hmm. at all. Yeah. Um, and then the movies were like, Hey, like we can't really just say this movie's good. This movie's bad because it's going to, it's art. It's harder to mm-hmm. objectively say you should see this or not see this. Mm-hmm. That's a continuing debate. One could argue that the whole purpose of rating is to try to quest closer to that true <laughs> objective. The person who of... would, the one that would argue that should go jump in the ocean. <laughs> okay. Um, but uh, so they were like, "What? Well, let's like this is more of a scale, kind of following my rationale of mm-hmm. saying this is the quality of it. You can set your own threshold, and then the Michelin." restaurant thing followed that mm-hmm. so it was like a little bounce back and forth don't know speculating yeah 100 no, speculation who, whom, who inspired whom yep it's not that interesting nope the interesting thing is oh i find it a little interesting yeah, no, no, but no, i don't no, have no. any knowledge sure. of it so sure moving on yeah no um yeah so I, I i'm with you i think it's a it's a great way of um if you want to distill your opinions down to a headline it's really effective to do it numerically to quantify it. Mm-hmm. Um, and so the, uh, the New York daily news was the original one to do it. Um, it was a critic, uh, Irene Thierer, Thierer, Thierer. Okay. Um, uh, and it was the first scale was actually just the classic four star scale that a lot of reviewers and institutions use today, except it is three, two, one, zero. Um, okay. But, looks weird to have a zero star headline yeah so they made it four three two one gotcha. um with excellent good mediocre and i've got to get my old-timey news voice on here uh zero means means the picture's right bad right bad <laughs> right bad sounds more british than uh mid-atlantic <laughs> right bad yeah the, anyway uh, the new york daily news yeah you know what southampton yep <laughs> Just to make up a British sounding place that I'm like 70% sure exists. Yeah, sure. 
we know we're we're well-rounded humans yep so four stars technically three but four stars yeah it's the it's the four star scale and that's a really effective one i mean mm-hmm. a lot of people use that today um there's a an app that i used to use a lot don't really anymore but might get back into some after doing some research for this uh called taste um that does movie ratings and it's it's like a personalized recommendation so okay. you you put in how you feel about movies and they use uh, what are the actual words they use? I have them on here. Amazing, good, meh, and awful. Okay. It's a four-star scale yeah. with more qualitative terms on it. Yeah. Um, but it's a it's a good way to do it. You have your Roger really good... Ebert uses four. Uses, yeah. Doesn't use stars, but it uses like out of four. Yeah. Roger Ebert's system. Yep. Um, although, interestingly, the Siskel and Ebert show classically pioneered the thumbs up, thumbs down. Oh. All right. Which... There's some interesting dichotomies there. I mean, they didn't start the thumbs up, thumbs down. Uh, no, but they that started with literally killing gladiators. <laughs> <laughs> Is that when it started? Uh, I, I feel mean, like it's such a simple motion that it has things going back to when we were monkeys. Probably. Apes. Not monkeys. Yeah. But recorded instances of it in gladiators fun fact did you know that it was actually flipped for Mm -hmm. gladiators because down is like they put the sword down in the sand and up is like they shove it up through their throat and out out through their head and the brain comes out and explodes and it's awesome and that is the only way it happened there was never any other way of that happening nope good movie ratings movie ratings mostly didn't i mean they weren't really used a whole lot some newspapers uh-huh. would use them a little bit. Um, there was a French magazine in the 50s uh, called Carrier du Cinema, probably. Wow, I feel like I'm in Paris. <laughs> uh, which would was sort of a precursor to Metacritic. They'd take in, they would uh, solicit star ratings from a bunch of different critics and aggregate them together. Um, and because they're French and like to sometimes be controversial, if they didn't like a movie, they'd give it a bullet instead. Oh, <laughs> really? Yeah oh (laughs) wow that's aggressive (laughs) yep that's the french for you aggressive in print in print (laughs) (laughs) sorry pissing Uh, off our uh huge french following yeah i shouldn't demean the french they're totally fine people anyway uh yeah no as popular culture became popular culture Siskel and Ebert in the 80s, um, Entertainment Weekly in the 90s would do a similar aggregated rating thing from a bunch of critics. Mm -hmm. They became more popular, and as the internet ages hit us, they've exploded. They're everywhere. Everywhere you look is rating movies. All the places. All the places are rating movies. So many. So how should we rate movies? If we accept that we're going to rate them, how should we do it? What sort of scale should we use? Should we factor in just critics' opinions? Should we sample the popular vote? So, what are you asking? Like, how should we do it? Like, are you saying if there was a way we should apply one solid review or one solid rating to a movie? Mm-hmm. How do we do that? Or, yeah, if we want to get closest to a movie's objective quality, how do we do it? <sighs> So what are my restrictions? No food analogies. Uh, <laughs> uh, what I was going to say is like, I don't think you can 
are we restricted to how do we take the movie rating and make it a single number? Yep. Dang it. All right. Well, next all my idea. Yeah. Um, I like that you're struggling. You're supposed to be struggling. You're maybe not supposed to be struggling this hard. So the reason I'm struggling this hard is because I'm, I, you know, we're a podcast. I should say my thoughts out loud. Instead of just constantly fighting it all on the inside, figuring mm-hmm. it out to give you an answer. Mm-hmm. Um, no, the thing I'm back and forth. Have some repartee. Thing I'm struggling with right now is the the divergence between critics and casual moviegoers. Um, I have always enjoyed being able to determine what a movie is going to be like based on seeing the IMDb score, the Metacritic score, and the Rotten Tomato score mm-hmm. because those three are very clearly like those have the three basically stages mm-hmm. uh, I have almost always landed within one star of the IMDb score mm-hmm. because it is people similar to me where they have a little bit of an interest in critically watching, mm-hmm. but it's for the most part casual. Yeah. Um, I have deviated several times from Metacritic um, and enough. also deviated many times from Rotten Tomatoes. Mm-hmm. Um, well, you know, let's these. This is kind of the holy trinity of modern movie rating systems. Right. Let's break them down. I have some really fun little tidbits about all of them. All right, let's break them down then. And also some boring ones. So IMDb, it's the one to ten scale. It's the scale we use. Um, it allows. I like it because it allows a certain level of granularity. We have breakdowns of what each star rating means. Yep. Um, the way a movie gets its IMDb rating is people log into the site and they say, "I've seen this movie. I give it seven stars out of ten. And then it just aggregates all of them. Mm-hmm. Now, it doesn't take a raw average. It weights them a little bit depending on how like how many movies the person's seen. Okay. And it will do adjustments if it detects suspicious ratings or what it what the system thinks are suspicious ratings. Oh, uh, so like, like rating bombing. Yeah. Or review bombing. Review bombing. If it thinks that there's a lot of people giving this movie too much credit, it'll bump that rating down. If it thinks it's giving it too little credit, it'll bump it back up. Let's do let's do a little experiment. Tell me some controversial movie. Tell me a controversial movie that you think would have some of that. Oh, a controversial movie that would have some of that. Yeah. Uh, God, I don't know. Hellboy. I did Hellboy. I found the numbers <laughs> already. <laughs> um, uh, Hellboy is uh, when you open up the IMDb page, the number is five point two. If you take the actual mean of all of the ratings, it's a five point three. Oh, like okay. Raw mean. So it's pretty close. It's pretty close. Most movies are within like 0.3. Gotcha. Of their raw mean. Um, boss baby. Boss baby. <laughs> All right. Let's see. What I don't. Boss I don't know is. why. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. I'm kind of curious. I'll tell you the the my path to that was Stuart Little. And then there was a movie about like baby goes like baby in the big city or some movie like that. And then I couldn't remember it. So I just went boss baby. Okay. I don't know why I'm clicking on boss baby. <laughs> I got another one. Uh, boss baby. If you, it's a 6.3. Um, the arithmetic mean is a 6.5. Okay. Well within normal parameters. Uh, Secret life of pets too. <laughs> <laughs> that was a good old uh callback to a thing that happened who the bleep asked for the first one? <laughs> oh, such a good moment 
Go back yeah. and listen to our, I believe, sleep-deprived uh, year-end review of 2020? 2019. 2019. Of course not 2020. Oh, nothing, that's true. There was no year-end review. <laughs> yeah. I bet that this one is, like, just about dead on. It's a, it's a very safe movie. Think more, okay. think controversial. Controversial. You were, you were sort of on the right track with, with Hellboy. Uh, that's not the button I um, Captain Marvel? Captain Marvel. I didn't... I didn't pull Captain Marvel. I probably should Justice have. League. Uh, Snyder Cut? Uh, no, Whedon Cut. Whedon Cut. Justice. That's actually, that's a, it's a good one. I didn't think of that one. I did pull Batman versus Superman. And okay. 6.8 to 7.0. Okay. Um, which I was surprised it was as high as 6.8. Yeah. Um, I'm going to check both Justice Leagues, just okay. out of curiosity. <laughs> that's a look on his face that I am... <laughs> I am so excited to find out why you made that face. I was just shocked that the Snyder Cut is rated an 8.1. What? Arithmetic mean of 8.4. I need to get out of here with that. The median rating is a 9. A near plurality of people rated it a 10. 40.7% of IMDb voters rated Zack Snyder's Justice League a 10. Click on one of those people and see how many movies they've rated. No. All right. I just want to work. All right, we've we've deviated too far. So what what's the point you're working at? Because I don't think I can find a. Uh, the one that I found was uh, Ghostbusters 2016. Oh, yeah, yeah. The uh, arithmetic mean was a 5.3, and the actual rating that shows up is a 6.7. Jeez. Yeah. So INDB thinks that that movie is worth a little bit more than people gave it credit for. Right. They think that there's a lot of zero star reviews that or one star reviews that should be discredited okay so i mean it seems reasonable it seems like something where they're not abusing their power they're taking yeah. pretty close to the actual mean and showing something reasonable well, that'll pop and that's up. something that uh i can sound so elitist on that i think that uh people who experience more can have a better opinion Mm-hmm. Um that's in general rating a movie where like if you've watched three movies, mm-hmm. you have a very low sample size of being able to determine what's good or not. Mm-hmm. If you watched Hellboy, 2004 Catwoman, and Fanforstic, you'd think Fanforstic is a fantastic movie. Because you're comparing it to two god-awful movies. Would you have enough of a frame of reference to have developed enough of a sense of filmic language to think that that one is? Maybe you'd like the the energy of Catwoman. That's true. 2004, the quick-cutting basketball. How'd they do that? Like, this is... Okay, so a good example of someone who's inexperienced is me with, like, painted art or sculptures. I don't know anything. Mm -hmm. I can walk into, like, a modern art museum and just be like, that is a square... And I feel square. And then like someone else who goes to like art museums all the time Mm -hmm. would go to and be like, I understand like what the artist is saying with it. And I'm just like, what? And so IMDb kind of, kind of, uh, waiting it to people who have seen more. Mm -hmm. I'm like all for it. Yeah. And again, it's not a significant difference on average from the, just the raw mean yeah of the data um yeah it's a it's a pretty good populist just this is the movies that people like um 
they have their top 250 and that's usually a good starting place for people that want to get into high quality cinema there's yeah. a lot of gateway drug kind of movies in yeah. there where it's like everyone likes these they're really good and they can kind of lead you down some rabbit holes right um just for reference because i'm going to do this for the other two a little bit there are four movies on imdb that are as of yesterday night uh rated 9.0 or higher those are shawshank redemption the godfather godfather mm-hmm. part two dark knight and dark knight i know those because i have the imdb's top 1000 movies on mm-hmm. list and those are the top <laughs> those yeah. are the top four there are a couple more uh 12 angry men occasionally gets above yep. 9.0 return there. of the king occasionally gets above 9.0 yep um yeah no those are all widely acclaimed movies that a lot of people like and a mm-hmm. lot of people who haven't even seen a whole lot of movies if you ask them what's a really good movie they're going to come up with one of those yeah it's a yeah it's popular it's a populist wow i can't believe i didn't even prep that that is amazing that's so good well done metacritic 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 uses a one to a hundred point scale so i mean it's effectively imdb they just took out the decimal place because critics are elitist snobs who think they're 10 times better than everyone math jokes (sighs) so what's their criteria for what a critic is um, they don't disclose how they make their selections, but they do disclose who their selections are. Um, but they have a editorial staff that one suspects might just be a bunch of like minimum wage drones in a call center somewhere. Yeah. Um, but they curate the, the list of, you can, you can probably quantify it on some level of like, okay, you've written this review and it goes out to this many people. You get yeah. this many clicks or uh, you're published in a newspaper that has this big of a syndication. Yeah. Um, or you've been in the public eye for so long. They Basically, they're just aiming for some minimum criteria of respectability, right. which makes sense. Um, and so they'll what they'll do is they'll take uh, like a one to 10 scale and just multiply by 10 to adjust into Mm -hmm. their 100 point scale um they'll do a four star rating and they'll divide by eight and so it's like 188 75 Mm -hmm. um kind of sound like that uh they'll take letter grades which is another one that sometimes gets used um and break it down by i guess twelfths yeah because you get plus and minus and stuff for each letter grade yeah just delineate it straight down but they also take movie reviews that don't quantify their result at all and they have some of that editorial staff just kind of slap a number on it. Sketchy. Kind of sketchy. Now, they claim on their FAQ that uh, they have people who do this a lot and generally have a very good sense. And if you're the reviewer and you see that Metacritic said that you said that their movie, the movie was a 70 and you're like, nah, it was more of a 50, you can call in and they'll be like, oh, okay, we'll change that. But I kind of wonder how often that happens. Bet you could do some cool data analytics with that. Probably could. Literally just like you take all of the ratings that have an actual rating, look for common strings of words, mm-hmm. pack them together, mm-hmm. and then just like make a model and you put a thing in and it'll spit out like what number it probably is based on mm-hmm. all the words that were said. At some point you can cut out the middleman and just have the AI watch the movie and tell you how good it is. That's true. How far away do you suppose that is? 
Oh, well, have you seen any of those? Uh, they put a book into uh, an AI bot and have it spit out a new book. Aren't most of those fake? They're so bad. What do you mean fake? Like someone just was like, oh, this is probably what an AI would say. Oh. I think a lot of them are fake. Oh, bummer. These All right, well, never mind on that. I don't know how far we are away from that. Um, probably pretty far, uh, mm-hmm. given that for that powerful of an AI to make it to something as inconsequential to society as reviewing a movie, uh, it's got to make it through a lot of other things first. And that includes probably setting up colonies on a different planet. Well, <laughs> I think you've got it backwards because what's one of the first problems they set AIs to winning a game of chess. That's true. No one cares about that, but it's a nice, simple, but closed system. It's a, it's a closed system. Uh, and it has a very clear objective that mm-hmm. you can succeed or fail at. True. And so there is clear feedback mm-hmm. that uh, reflects the quality of the model. Okay. But reviewing movies is a nice low stakes example of a more open system where you still have fairly defined rules and you still have a fairly well-defined goal. And you can probably, it's like a single experience that you can, boiled down and has been boiled down i also think that ais are not as powerful or ais are not powerful enough to consume a movie entirely yeah no and that is yeah we might be a hundred years from that yeah it's literally like because it's art there's Mm -hmm. so many more uh implicities in art that an AI might not catch. Mm-hmm. Uh, it could catch some. Sure. Um, but it's like catching a tone of voice is a little rough mm-hmm. um, for an AI. Sure. Hopefully. Maybe. If it's easy, then my poor Alexa is such a sad thing because <laughs> I'm so mean to it. <laughs> um. I don't think we're that close. No. To getting that. Um I I think it will happen and I think it will happen. I think it might happen within our lifetimes, but I don't okay. know. Okay. I'm completely shooting in the dark here. I know yep. basically nothing about AI. Yeah. I know an okay amount. Yeah. Um Yeah. Anyway, Metacritic. Uh Bunch of snobs saying words. Bunch of snobs saying words. Um, and they'll quantify it into a nice little, this is what the critics say about it. Um, there are eight movies on Metacritic that are a perfect 100. Uh, Citizen Kane, The Godfather, Rear Window, Casablanca, Boyhood. Paddington 2. Three Colors Red, Vertigo, and Notorious. Aww. Not Paddington 2. That thing was Rotten Tomatoes. And I'll, oh, get in, that's right. I'll get into that story. Okay. Um, most of those are classics. Yeah. Boyhood is not, um, it's kind of weird to me that that's the one modern one that's on Mm -hmm. there. Not as weird as Rotten Tomatoes list, but we'll get into it. Yep. Um, yeah. So it, it does feel a little more like, okay, these are the, the serious movies that you ought to consider if you're going to think about movies from an enlightened and intellectual perspective. I don't know what this voice is. I kind of dig it though. (laughs) I'm a little horny, to be honest. <laughs> that was always the intention, my oh, dear no. boy. <laughs> anyway, yeah, no, Metacritic is 
It. I feel like when I watch a movie, I mostly ignore Rotten Tomatoes if I'm trying to decide mm-hmm. ahead of time if I want to watch a movie. I'll look at IMDb and Metacritic. And I I don't know how much... I, I feel like I tend to agree more with Metacritic than with the IMDb rating because I'm an elitist culture snob who is out of touch with the common man. Yep. Um, but I, I always wonder if imdb is how i should feel and metacritic is how i think i should feel about a movie yeah i don't know how much of that subconscious there is playing around down there i don't know how much right. i take those critic opinions as gospel right and that's a that's a potential downside with ratings is mm-hmm. you can color people's opinions before they've had a chance to crystallize yeah i was kind of hoping you're gonna riff on that a little bit no i, I i'm sorry i'm thinking okay. uh because i do that a lot um i will go into a movie expecting it based on what review what critic reviews are saying and will come out somewhat on board uh, i've gotten better lately at forming my own opinion from scratch mm-hmm. um but uh yeah no it it's it's definitely risky to look at ratings. Yeah, I not always, but I've kind of gotten into the habit of trying to watch a movie before I rate it. Um, the first one I can remember doing that with was uh, Sicario 2. Um, Sicario colon Soldado. Maybe that movie changed titles like four times in the mm-hmm. middle of production. Um, but I didn't read any reviews i didn't even look at headlines of reviews um i did not check the imdb or the metacritic before i saw it and i went and saw it and i formed my own opinions and then i checked it against the critics and i was like okay yeah i kind of agree with everything yeah so i generally trust my own ability to form an opinion but there's always that little voice in the back of my head how much of you is original yeah am i just a robot am i just an ai programmed to review movies is this it has the moment come rotten tomatoes yeah that's a thing we don't like rotten tomatoes here yeah. on just us losers it's a it's a dumb system yeah so for those unfamiliar what rotten tomatoes does is it takes reviews like roughly the same criteria as metacritic they've got to be reasonably respectable mm-hmm. um, and it categorizes them as positive or negative and then calculates the uh famous tomato meter rating by just taking the percentage of movies with a positive rating yep so, Preston, what problems does this cause? Let's say every single person in the world thinks a movie is about like a 70 to a seven, like 75. Like, it's a pretty decent movie. Mm-hmm. Suddenly, Rotten Tomatoes thinks it is a perfect movie because that's 100%. Mm-hmm. Or if everybody thinks uh, the worst case right. is that if everyone thinks it's a pretty good movie and just kind of is like a 70 to a 65, mm-hmm. suddenly that's a 0% on Rotten Tomatoes, and it's the worst movie ever made. Mm-hmm. Oh my god, it's got awful. That's, it's yeah. not... Okay, so we we say we're an unqualified podcast, because we're talking about an inter- uh, entertainment which we are outside consumers of mm-hmm. and have our opinions on. Mm-hmm. Uh, I have a degree that is so heavenly... Uh, heavenly... It's heavenly. So heavily based on statistics and my elective focus was data analytics. I am qualified to say that is horseshit. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you, Preston. Gotcha. Another problem, and this is kind of along the Metacritic's line, is what if they get a mixed review? 
and it's not a quantified one. Mm. How do you determine whether a two and a half star review is generally positive or generally negative? Yeah. Is it black with white stripes or white with black stripes? Some yep. some minimum wage intern in a in a computer lab somewhere gets paid to figure that out. Yep. And it's uh I mean again, you could dispute it, but I mean there's a lot of artificiality there. Uh it promotes safe movies generally. Yeah. Is part of the problem. It's just the unequivocally, yeah, this is pretty good. Um Black Widow. Yeah. Black yeah. Widow's unequivocally, yeah, it's pretty good. Yeah. Free guy that just came out with Ryan Reynolds. Haven't seen it. Certified fresh. Yeah. Which criteria for certified fresh? It must be above 75%. Um, it must have a certain number of critics. Those critics have to have meet a certain number of criteria and it has to stay like stably above that 75% number. Gotcha. Um, and then they slap a little certified fresh logo on it. And that has been aggressively commercialized. Yep. To the point where you go to the movie theater and they have the little sticker on the posters of the movies that have been certified fresh. Yep. And the first time I saw that, I was like, okay, that's kind of cool. And now I'm a little weirded out by it. I hate it so much. Explain. I mean, it's like a... It's the same point that I hate Rotten Tomatoes, just more extreme. Mm -hmm. Like, it's... It doesn't the above seventy five percent. That can be a whole lot of people that think it's just uh, it's fine. Yeah. Or it can be everybody thinks it's one hundred percent awesome mm-hmm. and they get the same rating. Yeah. Like a binary rating is not good at all. I think it has its uses, but we'll get into it. A color. A color. A gradient. Color. Okay. And I'm envisioning like a uh like a color wheel. Mm-hmm. Um where like in the middle of it I I don't know what the kind of color wheel it is, but it's the middle of it that it's like it's gray. Mm-hmm. It's like no color. I think it's like a hue wheel or well, I don't know. Sure. Um and so it's not a number. Mhm. But there are aspects of a movie that can be good or bad for different reasons. Mm-hmm. So an action movie can be a lot of fun, have zero themes, have zero character development, a lot of great action, mm-hmm. and then a compelling plot twist. Sure. And so you accommodate those mm-hmm. to be that. Like you maybe it's something like uh oh pfft. Like a stat wheel. You ever seen a stat wheel? No, I haven't seen a stat wheel. What's a stat wheel? Uh, I don't know if that's specifically what it's called, uh, but did you ever play Pokemon? I can't remember if you've played yeah, Pokemon. Yeah, I played Pokemon. Uh, where you look at a Pokemon's like attack and defense and special attack and like each mm-hmm. of those kind of go up. Um, so it's like that. Kind of okay. like a color, like a color wheel or something like that. Mm-hmm. Where it's instead of it being like this movie is a seven, mm-hmm. it's like this movie's ability to make you feel visceral emotions is this or like it's mm-hmm. like action is this it's comedy is this like stuff like that it's it's very factors and of the blue and... yeah it's factors of the color of the of the movie hmm. um because here's a great example uh kaylin does not like dark knight because the anxiety 
Like she doesn't, she doesn't want to watch it because the anxiety. And that Mm -hmm. is a very particular factor of the movie Mm -hmm. that if she knew that going in, she would not have watched it. Um, but if there was another movie that did the exact same stuff all around, like same quality of everything else, but mm-hmm. without the anxiety, she probably would have loved it. There's an interesting thought experiment. What would a movie look like that does everything, all of the same aspects as well as the dark Knight, but doesn't have the anxiety. Mm. We're talking about ratings, not movies, not the movie we're talking about. In fact, that's my answer to your question. Okay. How do we color gradient? color gradient or color gradient like multi-point color gradient something like that i don't yeah. know I, I wouldn't i don't know i i think something like that like my to me movies art is so complex you cannot distill it down to a single number mm-hmm. that is impossible mm-hmm. and so what you do is you address the like it's everything i say always comes back down to data analytics um maybe you're the robot all along ah i want to be the robot i want all these emotions to no longer exist okay let me come adjust your emotion switch (laughs) um you have to look at every part of a movie Mm -hmm. and review each one of them um so that's why there are reviews without any quantifying number at all is because Mm -hmm. they're like the it's a compelling story with compelling characters, uh, but it tries to be funny and it's not like that kind of thing. It's mm-hmm. like that kind of stuff. I want to know those intricacies mm-hmm. and a movie that is a 7.5 out of 10 doesn't tell me that. Right. A a quantifiable thing averages out kind of all of the what it does well and what it does poorly. Mm-hmm. I mean, we do that ourselves yeah. with. Um, so. What if we just started, what if we just did that on our own? Instead of rating it a one to 10, every mm-hmm. time we rate room, we do a movie, we actually come up with the eight or so defining characteristics of a movie. Mm-hmm. And then we just like, we make that graphic of what that movie rating is. So someone can look at our rating and say like, oh, it's like a really funny movie with like, not a lot of like drama. Mm-hmm. That's what I want. I just want a funny movie with no drama. I know that that's what that is. Okay. I really like your idea in theory. Okay. I think it's pretty useless. Tear it apart. Let's talk. I think it's pretty useless in practice. Okay. Because there's a, with something like that, there's a bit of a learning curve just to understand what's going on. Right. If I tell you that a movie is three stars out of four, you're like, okay, it's pretty good. It does a lot of things right. There's some problems. It's not perfect. You Mm -hmm. know? But I'm gonna. It's it's gonna be a pretty good movie, and there's a good chance I'm gonna enjoy it. Right. If if I see a color wheel, my brain goes, "This doesn't tell me anything." So I was less. I was starting to deviate away from a color wheel. Okay. Um. The way I kind of envision it is, it is a, uh, a series of rings. So like a target, and then like okay. there's like lines going in, and each of them is like, it's a scale of each of the factors. So Mm -hmm. let's say theme is a factor. Mm -hmm. Does that movie have a good, do a good job of choosing a theme and conveying it well to where you understand it or feel it Mm -hmm. as well as you want to. Mm -hmm. And it does that. Mm -hmm. Is the movie funny? Does it like land jokes? Is it humor that is approachable? Mm -hmm. Then you rate it on that. Is the action 
nauseating. <laughs> is the action compelling? Does it? T- does the action tell a story? Mm-hmm. Uh, which is important. Yeah. Um, do the characters have uh, def- ha- have actual arcs? Like, do- is there a story told? within the characters stuff like that and each of them have like a little thing so mm-hmm. less of a color i started to just like yeah. the color because it's just this um multi-dimensional thing that i could right. move around in well there goes my whole point about it being ableist because you're excluding color people <laughs> there we go people. well i mean i feel like everything's a, a, a movie <laughs> is constantly excluding blind people so <laughs> i was gonna say whatever yeah. graphic i make i want to take a brief deviation because i think about this moment every now and then but um, I took a philosophy class on aesthetics and the philosophy of art my last semester of college. Okay. Um, and we were, I mean, that is going to be a fantastic conversation for the episode we have with, uh, I guess our guest Dylan mm-hmm. about art and philosophy. So you'll actually okay. have a little bit of a basis. Her degree is in art and philosophy. So okay. that's why we're having her on to talk about art and philosophy. Cool. Anyway, continue. Anyway. Uh, <laughs> so like the first day of class was just i mean it was mostly a discussion-based classes right philosophy classes really ought to be um but the first day of class was mostly a discussion about like okay what is art um and some snooty little philosophy major kid perks up and is like well look aren't all these definitions just super ableist because they exclude people that like deaf people can't hear music blind people can't see paintings and the entire classroom was just kind of like all right dude yeah that's like you don't include the people who can't consume it in your considerations like you're not even wrong that's how meaningless your point is (laughs) (laughs) so so yeah that's that's what i'm looking at more than a color so it it is there's yes a learning curve to be able to take a glimpse at it and Mm -hmm. understand it um but having it be a little bit more defined yet multifaceted mm-hmm. is is kind of what I'm going for. Okay. Um, Tear it apart. If you're going to take the time to learn a relatively complex, I'm not saying it is complex. Right. I think you have distilled it down to a nice little essence there. Mm-hmm. Um, you can easily see that the Dark Knight explodes out in all directions and Hellboy is a little black hole. Right. Um, but... I, if you're gonna have that layer of complexity why not just read the review it's still a okay so this is my degree uh it's still something that is immediately like you can take a glance at it mm-hmm. and get a decent idea of how good it is in general i can um, do that from a review headline well yeah uh but like you can capture Let's say it's eight facets. Mm-hmm. You can capture how good it is at all of them all at once. Mm-hmm. So, uh, Hellboy. Hellboy is garbage. Black hole. <laughs> uh, Godfather. Godfather's fantastic. All together. Big old circle all the way around. Mm-hmm. Um, um, Black Widow. It, it is a headline. Yeah. Um, but it gives you a little bit more of, let's say, Black Widow uh falls short on character development or uh the uh drive of the characters or whatever you want to sure. say it is uh you can see where that is rather than seeing just the words mm-hmm. um to be able to capture the whole like all the facets of the graphic would be a pretty long headline yep 
Um, a oh headline boy, can a capture... terrible movie with bad action, no character development, a meaningless plot, a useless score, pretty poor special effects. <laughs> yeah, like <laughs> it's it's breaking all that down into the thing, but like you can you can look at it and you can generally see where it is, mm-hmm. uh, what kind of movie it is by looking at like oh comedy, character, drama, and uh, plot mm-hmm. are all very high. Mm-hmm. Um, but these other things are pretty low. Themes are pretty low. So it's not a very theme heavy movie. Mm-hmm. It's a shut your brain off movie. You can see that mm-hmm. just by looking at the graphic. Okay. You've sort of sold me. Okay. I do think it is a niche product though. Right. Um, I think it's, it's gotta be aimed at someone that's going to have the time and the attention span to think about eight different things at once and coalesce that into a picture of what oh, they're for expecting. Sure. Um, and it's, it's not something you can say in a conversation. You can't That's say true. That is a very point movie. That is a very good point. Yeah. Um, but I think something that it is, it's an improvement because you have a better idea. So, uh, mm-hmm. so I mean, it's everything. This is. I feel like I keep trying to go back to my degree because I'm constantly self conscious about us being unqualified. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's about efficiency. Yeah. It's about finding that point of uh optimization where you are conveying enough information that you can make an intelligent decision but Mm -hmm. you're not cluttering the screen with other stuff that right may be useless and everything's got its like i mean maybe you can even have in the middle of it like a number Mm -hmm. like this is the this is a 6.7 here's why mm-hmm. and so you can say it's a 6.7 like i mean maybe it even averages all of them for you so you didn't even come up with the number um sure like or i mean you can probably come up we with the number, up number. um but it's you're right it's not something you can say like it's like oh hey i saw uh you uh saw godzilla king of monsters how was that Oh, it was a, uh, uh, it was about an eight in the, uh, rock'em, sock'em, punch'em fun part. It was about a three in the character development. It was mm-hmm. about a two in this, in, in themes. It was about a 10 in special effects, like whatever mm-hmm. you want to say sure. about it. The person's walking away and talking to a different person at the party. Exactly. <laughs> um, but yeah, I mean, it's, it's got its benefits. It's got its downsides. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think it just, it's a... It's like the next tier of mm-hmm. um, keeping a review succinct. Okay. I'm sold. Let's try it for Shang-Chi. Cool. That'll be fun. Yeah. We'll have to, uh, we'll have to actually like, actually, audience, tell us what, tell us what factors of a movie you care most about. Mm-hmm. Um, we've set a whole bunch of examples on this one, uh, but I want to see what uh and maybe i'll do an instagram thing about it uh what mm-hmm. factors in a movie do you consider when you want to go see a movie mm-hmm. uh yeah i'm definitely gonna do a yeah uh uh instagram thing i was th- trying to think of a graphic mm-hmm. for following this up like an uh, audience engagement got it at justice losers pod at justice losers pod uh yeah that this is gonna be a fun project yeah fun thing we can help like develop it. with people look at that look at that i'm totally gonna forget I'm not going to forget. You're not gonna I'm forget. too attached to this. This is good. This yeah. is good. This also, is I'm not going to forget because I need a graphic and that is giving me the graphic. So I have to think about it for days while I come up with the graphic. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. All right. Um, I want to segue into 
streaming sites and how streaming sites kind of have their own internal ranking systems. Okay. Um, and talk about that stuff. But I want to take a quick detour and talk about a couple of interesting tidbits that I picked up doing research. Okay. It's actually the reason I turned up at your place at more like 745 instead of more like 7. Uh, yeah. I was, I was wrapping up and I was like, okay, this is good stuff. This is good stuff. And then I hit a link. And the link told me something interesting. And I was like, oh, and I followed that and read a little 538 blog post. And I was like, oh, that's very interesting. And they linked to a completely separate story that I knew nothing about. And I was like, oh, that's interesting. Oh, man, you went through the rabbit hole. I went through the rabbit hole a little bit. Fandango. Yes. It's a movie site. They mostly sell tickets, but they do like some base level IMDb type stuff. They'll categorize some movies and they'll have some star ratings. They use a classic five star scale. Five is really good. One is really bad. So on and so forth. Right. If you look at Fandango movies ratings, you start to see some really weird stuff, though. All... It's about to get, like, weird, like, scary. No. Okay. I like that you thought that. I, I like that I was able to. Yeah, you really that. did kind of convey, like, you start to see some weird, like, when the you really six dig in. Into... pops up a lot. Yeah, exactly. Like that kind of. <laughs> <laughs> Followed by the eighth and ninth digits of pi. And then a four for some reason, but then also 69 and then a 420. Nice. It's nice. Anyway, what weird stuff do you see? So it's a five point scale. You almost never see a rating below a three. It's like less than 1% of ratings, no matter what the movie is. Be it Hellboy, be it Fant Forstick, be it Catwoman. Okay. If you look at the raw average of a rating, it's... They, when they put the rating on the like the front page, it's rounded up sometimes by a full point. Because they want to sell tickets. That's because they want to sell tickets. I was trying to be all conspiratorial. Yeah, they want to sell tickets. Literally, like yeah. they. Yeah. <laughs> Is that it? Yeah, that's that's it for the Fandango one. They. Uh, oh, okay. There's more. Yeah, there's a different different anecdote, but okay. yeah. Uh, you can. There are reasons to have issues with stuff like Metacritic and. Uh, Rotten Tomatoes and even IMDb has some problems. Um, something like eighty to ninety percent of IMDb ratings are men. Huh. Um, we got us all neckbeards. Yeah, we're just more excited about movies and pop culture on average. Yeah. Not to make a statistical generalization about any particular individuals or anything. Right. Um, but yeah, on average, you think of your average person that's going to rate a movie on IMDb. It's going to be someone like us. Yeah. It's going to be a dude. And so you get some you get some biases from that. I feel like that's also an episode topic. There's some interesting stuff in there. So the the example that a lot of people bring up uh, when talking about this is the Sex in the City movie. Um, men rate it on average like a mid fives, like yeah. a five point seven or something, and women rate it like an eight point four. I want. I kind of want to dig into this and like, like go mm-hmm. and research that because I feel like it has something to do with like how movies were marketed. Mm-hmm. Like action movies are marketed to men yeah. and then romance movies are marketed to women. Mm-hmm. But romance mar- uh, movies don't have nearly as much in them okay. to digest. Some of them do. So- some of them do, but I feel like broadly speaking, the movies marketed to men like godfather mm-hmm. compared to uh what's a romance movie 13 going on 30 sure very different movies mm-hmm. godfather was probably marketed towards men mm-hmm. 13 going on 30 was absolutely marketed to women yep uh godfather has way more to, to digest 
thematically, mm-hmm. storytelling wise, cinematog- cinematograph- cinematographically, cinematographically, I think you win it now. Yep. Uh, just everything more. Okay. Um, you're a sexist for saying so. Yes, I am. There's actually kind of an argument in that direction. Like, not specifically, I think, in the 13 going on 30 versus Godfather comparison. Right. I think you're entirely above board there. But movies with sort of quote-unquote classically masculine themes about violence and honor and things like that tend to be better regarded by people. And I don't know if it's a correlation causation thing or it's a men rate more movies than women do yeah. or what's going on there. But there's some interesting questions that I think need to at least be thought about. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. We might have to find someone who might know things about that. Find a woman? I don't know any of those. They're gross. They all got cooties. Yeah. Let me see, uh, let me see your left hand real quick. Oh, wait. Damn it. Ah, you're not married yet. yet. (laughs) (laughs) Give me three months. (laughs) Uh, What was the other tidbit? So that was Fandango. They just want to sell tickets. Have you ever heard of David Manning? No. He is Peyton Peyton and Eli's. No, he's not. Oh, okay. (laughs) (laughs) No. uh, David Manning was a movie critic for the Richmond something something newspaper in the early aughts. Okay. Um, and he was generally a pretty easy to please reviewer. He liked a lot of things and, um, would say a lot of nice things about them. He'd particularly say a lot of nice things about movies produced by Columbia studios, Uh including, uh, terrible movies like, um, or not necessarily terrible movies, uh, but things like, sorry, the Ridgefield press to correct myself, uh, hollow man, which by all accounts, is a pretty terrible movie. Um, that was Kevin Bacon, wasn't it? Kevin Bacon, sort of a loose remake of the Invisible Man yeah. story. Um, let's see. Uh, forgotten movies like The Animal, uh, The Forsaken. Um, he really liked uh, Knight's Tale, which is a fun movie. I like That's, a uh, Heath Ledger, isn't it? Yeah, but it's like a 35 on Metacritic. Mm. David Manning. Probably like has stock in it or something. Never existed. Welcome to the Justice Losers, now a true crime podcast. <laughs> yeah. So there was an actual guy named Dave Manning, um, and he was, I don't even remember what he was in real life, something uninteresting. Uh, <laughs> I read this article half an hour ago. Um, David Manning in real life was a medical equipment salesman. Wow. Yep. Uh, who he knew his name was being used for this. Right. But basically what happened is some mid-level executive at Sony was like, hey, you know what will help bump up ticket sales? Good reviews. Instead of, you know, traditionally there is a bit of a market for this sort of thing. There's the press yeah. junket and you bring out the, the press and you, you celebrate them, you wine them and dine them a little bit, yeah. you show them their movie, you hype them up. Yep. And it's kind of an equal opportunity sort of thing where you just get everyone. But... This guy, uh, Matthew Kramer, um, in Sony, it's like, oh, let's just cut out the middleman. Let's just make up a fake critic, plant this fake critic's reviews in a newspaper, and have him hype up Sony movies. How long did that happen? Uh, it was a couple of years. 
Damn. Yeah. How'd they get caught? Uh, someone started to, people started to notice that his pattern of reviews was kind of suspiciously positive, especially uh, on movies produced by Columbia. Yeah. Um, they actually ended up getting sued over it to the Good. grand total of $326,000. That is not a whole lot That's for Sony. not a whole lot. Um, that is one PS5. <laughs> <laughs> Pretty much. They did get hit with a $1.5 million class action lawsuit to refund parts of tickets to people who saw vertical limit oh my god they literally had to refund movies that were so bad and or the patriot (laughs) the patriot yeah that's a good movie that's an okay movie i remember liking it a lot i remember liking it a lot too but i also think i was at a point in my life where it was the sort of movie i was gonna like regardless of whether it was good or not that's true because it's rated r and you were a child it's it's serious and exciting yeah and there was that one thing where he like threw the axe at the guy and hit him in the back. And then he like did a whole bunch of smacks on him. And I was like, oh man, he's super dead. Yep. Do whatever you want. I'm super dead. Hamilton reference. Have you still not seen? You've seen Hamilton. Yeah. I've seen Hamilton. Okay. Yeah. I've talked about it. Yeah. I don't remember that particular reference. Oh. It's not the movie we're talking about. <laughs> we're talking about Vertical Limit, A Knight's Tale, Hollow Man, or The Patriot. <laughs> uh, who, if you were in that class action lawsuit, you got a $5 refund for every ticket purchased. Oh. I'm going to go back in time, buy a bunch of those tickets to get, get some of that money back. Get your get your refunds. Yeah, yeah. great. <laughs> so this immediately raised the question in my mind. If you're Disney, just to take a hypothetical studio that we have no particular qualms with and certainly haven't recorded an episode criticizing in the recent Not past. Not at all. Why wouldn't you just try this again? Uh, the internet? You'll never get away with it. Oh my God. The people like just how many people are so good at the internet now? Just casual internet surfers like Mm -hmm. Reddit will kill you. Like there will be an actual crucifixion again. Like (laughs) the guillotines will come back Mm -hmm. for Disney if they try to do that. Yeah. I feel like Disney's kind of got their head on their shoulders because they haven't been guillotined um, enough that they wouldn't want to do this sort of thing. But I could, I could see like a, a struggling studio yeah. pulling this sort of stunt again, doing a little cost benefit and being like, I mean, if Look, we get man, caught, we'll pay it. We'll pay a couple million dollars, but we just, we want to get some good press out here. Yeah. Bad press. If you yeah. get caught, uh, you can, you can probably do it in a more nuanced way. Um, in online chess, it's really easy to catch someone who just uses a chess engine, every move to check every move. Right. There's some very obvious tells. Um, but it's much harder to catch someone that just turns on the engine once or twice at the right. critical moment in the game. If you just need a little boost here or there, you plant your fake reviewer. Yeah. And if there's a movie that is okay, here's a very extreme example. And I don't want them to do it because I don't want it to. Okay. I don't, I feel like I know, you know where I'm going with it. Uh, Dune. Dune is getting, might not get ticket sales because of the pandemic and stuff like that. Right. But if they do something where there is a fantastic review that like, like it Mm -hmm. could be the difference between some people going to see it and a few more people, like enough Mm -hmm. more people going to see it to get the green light. I am sure that Disney and Warner have somewhere their actuaries have worked out exactly how many ticket sales a good review is worth. Right. And Oh, for sure. What those differences are. Those numbers are everywhere. There's a specific number that Netflix uses for how many views actually like uh 
calculates to how many people like there's mm-hmm. an actual number for that yep data's crazy i love data that's why my degree's in it yep <laughs> <laughs> yeah yeah no if you sketchy wanna... shit yeah so i thought i thought that was an amusing interesting little little anecdote to yeah. throw out there we are at an hour and two minutes so okay let's get I mean, into your next uh what yeah, that other thing you want to we'll, talk we'll about we'll segue a little bit this is going to be a little less in depth but i wanted to talk a little bit about streaming sites um, yeah. and ratings on that and specifically kind of when i was thinking about what i was going to talk about with this episode the first question that popped into my head is remember netflix mm-hmm. used to be five stars it did yeah but now it's a thumbs up thumbs down now it's a thumbs up thumbs down what changed why did it change They've um, come out and said why it changed, but oh, speculate for I'm me. I'm speculating. Uh, it is easier to build a model for recommendations for people based on binary results than it is based on uh, scaled results. Um, because you can... If 7,000 people mm-hmm. rated a movie between four and five stars and you rated that movie between like at four stars. Mm-hmm. It, there's a little bit of a fuzziness yeah. of that. But if 7,000 people rated a movie thumbs up and you also rated that movie thumbs up, you are in that category yep. and it gives you it's, it is just, it's a lot easier to build a model yeah. on binary values. Yeah. That's a big part of it. That's it. That's all I got. Okay. Yeah, I, I, that's a big part of it. Also, it's easier for someone to... It's less intimidating for somebody to give a binary result. Yeah. Um, uh, that is actually... Uh, there's uh, five... <laughs> back to qualified Preston. Uh, there's five things that it's pretty self-intuitive. Self-intuitive? Pretty self-intuitive. intuitive. Uh, on what humans can do. First one is comparative. So this they one's better touch, than... They can touch, they can taste, they can see, they can smell, they can hear. Uh, we also have two other senses uh being able like to 30. sense uh thermostat or uh temperature, temperature. Yep. and um i can't remember the other one thought there was more like 30 uh i mean there's like a, a billion but like if you wanted to consider like if there were never mind uh comparative uh in order uh oh i'm forgetting it now Uh, it's in orders. Uh, well, that's mostly compared, like scaling it. Uh, mm-hmm. then, um, how much? So like this one's twice as good, and then actually like yeah. numberings. So anyway, it's a lot less intimidating for someone to like finish watching a movie. It's like, what'd you think? Stars, and you're like, I don't know, between three and five somewhere. It's good. I don't know. Yeah. And then if it's just like, did you like it or did you not? A lot easier for somebody to just go, Easy. I liked it. And like people like you and me that watch a lot of movies have very well-defined scales and right. we've thought out which movies go where, but a lot of people don't, don't. necessarily. A lot of people, a seven star movie is going to mean something completely different for different people. Yep. Um, the average rating of all movies on IMDb fluctuates a little bit, but it generally hovers about 7.0. Yeah. Sometimes a little under. And it's not because most movies are mediocre. It's because people have flexible rating scales and they're mm-hmm. going to, I mean, partly you get some bias because people are going to incline to watch movies that they are going to want to watch. Yep. Um, but a lot of that's just going to come down to people's scales operate differently. Yeah. They're not necessarily going to put a five right in the middle. They're not necessarily going to say reserve 10 only for transcendent movies. I've... I mean, there's so many things you can do. Like I just, I love data so much. Oh my God. <laughs> this is, 
given that this is a, this topic is very about numbers and mm-hmm. applying numbers to results, it is right up my alley. Yep. Um, you sound like you want to date a datum. Datum. Oh god. <laughs> <laughs> um, I feel like there is such a great like you could do like a neural net. Um, where you compare a person rating a seven at like what they've rated Mm -hmm. with other people who have also rated those things. And like, you can kind of fluidly line up people's ratings and like stretch Mm -hmm. and stuff like that. And it's, it's pretty easy to do that kind of scaling. Yeah. Um, people have done those sorts of analyses on certain types of things. Cool. I want to research that. Yeah. I'm a nerd. I have way too much stuff to research. Never mind. Yeah. Um, yeah, no, Netflix, they switched to the thumbs partly because it is less intimidating. Yep. They saw a 200% increase in the number oh, of ratings when geez. they switched. Um, and it's more effective. Did you know that when they had the four stars system, the stars that popped up was what they expected you would rate it? Yes, I did know that. Uh, a lot of and also did um, Amazon Prime does that too. Mm-hmm. Their their stars uh, that you see on it are ex- are what you, they expect you will like, mm-hmm. and so you want to look for like five star stuff because it's what you're more likely going to like. Mm-hmm. I kind of like that. Yeah, I want but them to show to... both. Yeah, like your expected rating and average rating. Right. Uh, even though that will totally be like we think you're going to love this. Most people think it's a two. Uh, but we don't judge. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, leads to some awkward moments there. Yep. Yeah, but a lot of people didn't realize that, didn't think about it, and mm-hmm. it was just kind of confusing for people. Yeah. So they made that switch, and it makes a lot of sense. Um, but it also you lose a lot of that precision, and so for the people who are more in touch with this sort of thing and have their more defined scales, for me it feels a little weird for to pick some of those marginal movies and be like, yeah, I guess I'm more okay with this than I am not. Yeah. Um, and this isn't a problem for you or I, but there's a lot of people that are interested enough to watch a fair amount of content, but not so involved that they're going to have a 3000 movie long IMDb watch list Right. that will very deliberately choose their likes and dislikes, not necessarily out of what they like and dislike, but to cultivate their algorithm to get recommendations they're going to like. Yeah. There's a, there's a whole bunch of people out there that that's their experience using netflix or hulu mm-hmm. which has also gone to the thumbs up thumbs down model. yeah um i mean that's, i that's fascinating to me i'll be honest uh there's been several times on youtube where like i've gone like down a weird path on youtube just like watching something that i'm normally not interested in mm-hmm. and i'm so and i then like the next few days i like see recommendations for stuff i don't care about anymore mm-hmm. and so i will actively go back and rewatch stuff that i do want in my stuff like there's a mm-hmm. blacksmith i really like and i like when his stuff pops up and i will go back and i will get like i will watch like i will click on it mute it and work on something while it's running mm-hmm. so that i can so you could youtube can know rebuild that like that algorithm rebuild my bit. algorithm <laughs> yeah um that's that's a really fascinating thing that i don't think could have been predicted even 10 years ago that people would interact with technology like that yeah but just i do it on spotify all the time because mm-hmm. they'll build my daily mix and it'll be like a little bit too much into one genre and i'm like no and i'll like go listen to one band like a lot just so that it'll force it back yeah <laughs> yeah that's that's just that's really fascinating because i i don't have that experience at all mm. i am like i know how to seek out what i want without some algorithm 
foisting content on me <laughs> <laughs> and i don't mean to sound so aggressive about it but like i trust myself i yeah i know how to find movies i want to watch i know right. how to find music i want to listen to right um and it's it's fascinating to me that there's these recommendations and you can kind of play off them to get those yeah. good recommendations it's it's Send us an email, justusloserspod at gmail.com. If this is something that you think about, if you think about cultivating your Netflix algorithm, like I'm just, I'm intrigued. What is that experience like? Yeah. And I, I don't mean this in a condescending way. I'm just, it's a completely different way of thinking about it. It's for me, it's a lot of like shutting my brain off of why I like things, mm -hmm. um, which is a bit of an effort for me because I'm, just very much that way in general like right. think about it and so i'm just like i know i like this band i know i like this band i know i like this band i'm just gonna go listen i'm just gonna like i just want to get that back it's like um i think i feel like it's an ease of mind or not like not necessarily ease of mind but like i don't have to go out and seek the things that mm -hmm. are similar yeah um and it can also it's also kind of trusting the algorithm to like maybe shine a shine some light on a hidden gem mm -hmm. like googling what bands are like hippocampus will give you like a ton of reddit people saying like oh these bands and it's bands I already know right but then suddenly like uh spotify is just gonna be like hey check out this band and it's like their music is getting a hundred thousand downloads mm -hmm. but it's right in that vein and you like listen to it like, oh my god this is amazing mm -hmm. never would have gotten that from just trying to find it Okay. So I'm just like, you know what? I'm just gonna let I'm gonna see what Spotify gives me. All right. Yeah. I can see that. You make it more wide reaching. Yeah. Um Amazon, to segue into them a little bit, mm. actually kind of discovered that by accident that that's a more useful way to use algorithms. Because I mean, they've been thinking about recommendations and stuff like that for a right. lot longer than a lot of these people because they oh, started yeah. out selling books and right. they wanna tell people what books they're gonna like and how to like books. Um, but they started bringing AI into it when they're thinking more about movies in 2012. Um, and they discovered after a little bit that the problem with their algorithm is that it would always spit out safe choices. Mm. And so they restructured it so that it was taking like a wider library of content and applying it to new content and trying to see, okay, how, how well does this fit into the algorithm framework? How right. well is this going to line up with the person recommendations? And they get much more interesting recommendations from it. Yeah um okay yeah i can i can see that being a use for an algorithm there it like it it can help you discover stuff that you wouldn't stumble on yeah. on your own necessarily find those hidden connections yeah. sometimes it'll be wildly wrong and oh, you'll sure. yell at it you'll say stupid i've computer, gotten a couple where i was just like this? why would i like this at all <laughs> what yeah it's not there yet but yeah. i mean in 100 years they'll be able to do a brain scan and then just inject music directly into your brain that yeah makes your makes you happy yep so we got that to look forward to yay all right ratings ratings hbo max doesn't use ratings at all okay they have specifically they call it human curated collections instead so celebrities will be like oh these are my favorite of this kind of movie mm. or they'll have their editorial kind of like stuff. that it's a little bit more personal it's a fresh approach yeah and i think you lose some of that surprise of the algorithm um but you yeah it, it is a little more humanizing yeah you might get more obvious answers but it's not necessarily a bad thing 
Taika Waititi's like, yo, I love this movie, Thor Ragnarok. <laughs> <laughs> it also reminds... I mean, I should, I should try to get in voice. It also reminds me of uh, uh, Hunt for the Wilder People. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, let's see. I like how you mainly use Korg. Like, you, you have the pitch of Korg, even though he doesn't actually talk that high. Yeah. It's funny. I'm anyway. Anyway, uh, that's probably all I got. Thesis? Um... I got one. Go for it. I want to hear what yours is. It's hard to rate movies, yo. Yeah, I was going to say... Uh, <sighs> diluting art down to a single quantifiable value loses the, the breadth of connection someone can have with the art. Mm-hmm. Yep. It's not nuanced. And any rating system is going to be flawed. Right. In one direction or another. Yep. Because people are stupid. Yep. Either as an average as a group or as an elitist bunch of intellectuals or as a algorithm that was written by an algorithm that was written by an algorithm that was written by a human. Yep. People are stupid. Nothing's going to work. Shallst we. We shallst. Uh, thanks everyone for listening. Uh, if you're listening to this, this is the audio version of our podcast. It can be found on Spotify, iHeartRadio, iTunes, Podbean, uh, you know, the podcast places. If you're listening to this, you're listening to the audio version of our podcast, which is not the video version. Check out our YouTube channel for shortened, condensed little 15 minute video. I don't want to call them recaps, maybe more highlight videos. Get into some of the bigger points of the discussion, get some of the funnier jokes in there. Gage edits those together, and they are magnificent. Make us look much smarter and funnier than we actually are. Uh, you can find us on social media at Just Us Losers Pod on Twitter and Instagram. Keep an eye on that Instagram. Uh, the wonderful Preston has been doing some excellent work on that. Yay! Uh, so keep an eye there. We're, we're doing some announcements. We're going to get a little bit of fan engagement hopefully going on our little formerly color wheel, now more just kind of spokes on a wheel movie rating system, which I'm suddenly very intrigued by. Uh, we're on Facebook, sort of. We have a Facebook page. Um, maybe every six months something happens there, but it'll be more often before too long. We're hoping. Hopefully. Hopefully. Maybe. Uh, we got a Gmail, justusloserspod at gmail.com. Our next episode, not next week, next week's going to be, we'll talk about what we've been up to in news, but the week after that, we're going to talk about Dune. Why should you, why should you Dune Dune? What is Dune? Who Dunes the Dunes? I don't know. I guess we'll find out. It's going to be fun. Uh, if you have thoughts on Dune, if you want to contribute to the discussion, send us an email or a tweet or slide into our DMs on Instagram. That's what the kids, they still say that, right? Yeah. Probably. Uh, let's see. Are we anywhere else? We're on REMproductions.net. .net. 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 Where there's, uh, there's stuff there. Um, there's some, some interesting content. There's our good friend Andrew's short film, Coyote. Uh, you can also find that of course on YouTube and other stuff. Um, you can find some posters for sale, not just us losers posters, but REM productions posters with the, the colorful tri-ball as I will never give up on calling it. Um, some good stuff. Uh, let's see. Yeah. So you got Dune to look forward to, uh, we'll be reviewing Shang-Chi before too long. It's coming out in a few weeks here and yeah, should be a good fall. I think that's all I got. Thanks for listening. Bye. Bye.
Bye.